0: Welcome back to Piecing It All Together. I'm Bo Sanders. I'm Randy Woodley. We are trying to piece this together with you. Hey, so what are we going to talk about today, Bo? From time to time, I get a bee in my bonnet, and I will send you a text and say, hey, can we talk about this on our next episode? And I've got one of those this week. I want to talk about right. education. I want to talk about education.
1: All right, let's let's uh, let's get to it and... Um... Uh, sort of make this a, a quick one, I guess, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah, we got some uh, watering to do. You have much more watering to do than I, uh, but I still got yeah, to get it. A hun- a-
1: it's yeah. 100 degrees here. and um, Yeah, it's uh, things aren't looking good out here on the farm, so we got to really pay attention to what's going on. So I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks.
0: So, Randy, let me come at
1: this through
0: a, a side door. One of the things that fascinates me is... Um, I'd I'd like to pay attention to patterns. So when something comes up over and over again, it always catches my attention. It intrigues me a little bit. And so I start looking into it. Mm -hmm. Well, as you know, there is a, a really serious backlash against critical race theory being taught to our young people in colleges and schools and, Even across the country, which is the only
1: way to save white supremacy. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's the only way to save it is to say you can't use the tools that expose it. Mm. Yes. By the way, yeah. Maybe we won't get right into this. Let me let me interrupt real quick and just say that in the last three days, yeah, two of the most important reports in our lifetime have been released. Okay. One is the IPCC report on climate change. I heard that. Which is code red, basically um, meaning, uh, you know, we're about uh, 10 years ahead of schedule in terms of all the uh, bad stuff Uh than they originally had thought. And so um, the good news is that, you know, things could be mitigated. The bad news is they're not going to get any better than they are now. So, uh, and, and then we just can't take it seriously. And I got to tell you, it, it perplexes me to no end to understand why. I mean, and I, I love people, you know, liking and commenting and all that on my Facebook page. But, uh, you know, I post pictures of our vegetables or our flowers and I get, you know, 100, 200 likes and lots of comments. And, but I post code red, climate change. Here's what we can do about it. And I get three likes. And no comments. And I'm like, are we not concerned about, like, the most important thing happening here? Are people just burnt out from it? I don't know what's yeah. happening. But, but you know, I tried to post some things like, here's some here's some bottom line things that you can do, right? Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. That's really discouraging. And I don't understand the algorithms of that. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, this whole social media thing is uh, is perplexing. I got my Twitter account got sp- suspended. Um, And I have no idea why. And all I can get back is a um, automated reply, no matter what I do and where I send it. So um, that's weird. Um, So, uh, yeah, that that, anyway, that's me and my social media dilemmas. Um, (laughs) What was the I do have a thought on this
0: climate study, but what was the second study?
1: Well, the second study is the the, uh, Census Bureau just came out with the latest census. And for the first time in American history, the white quote-unquote race is declining uh, 8% down from the last census. And it's now declining and will be the fastest growing minority in uh, the United States. All other groups are uh, on the rise at different rates from... 23% to 8% to, you know, and, um, and so basically the, what we call the Browning of America and the, uh, the, it's not the end of white supremacy, but it's sure going to give all these folks who are involved with critical race theory and, Mm. and the the anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers and the big lie people and all of those kinds of things, give them lots of things to be concerned about the white supremacists, Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so this is happening and that's happening sooner than uh, it was supposed to happen as well. So things are escalating. We're at a time in history where things are really escalating. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That is
0: fascinating and concerning. So I remember in, in the 1990s, I lived in upstate New York. And I remember when the census prediction first surfaced that by 2048, um, there would no longer be a white majority in America. I remember that. I remember the first time I heard that was in the nineties. It was supposed to be 2048. And that seemed so far off, but having kept track of it since then, It That number is coming back. So now we're in 2021, but the original 2048 number has crept back. And I actually think that it will happen. We will cross that threshold. I fully expect that it will happen far sooner, maybe even a decade sooner than the the original 2048 prediction. So let's just move it back. Let's say it's 2038. That's not that many years from now, which means... That we will begin seeing that horizon in studies like this, you know, because if let's say we're 18 years away from crossing the threshold, you will start to see it soon.
1: Yeah, well, it's already moving, you know, exponentially, as they say, mm-hmm. it's moving faster, than expected and kind of collecting as it goes. And so, um, yeah, they didn't expect this to happen uh, for a while. But already, like, uh, people under 18, yeah. white folks are already the minority. Um, they're already the minority of babies that have been born. That happened in, like, oh, I don't know. It was at least 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah. So, you know, I think uh, the, the, the bottom line, though, for me is that just because the sort of white Mm -hmm. looking people, which we know we're actually all one race, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's no white race. There's no, you know, uh, black race. There's no native race. There's just ethnicities. We're all Mm -hmm. the same human race. And, um, but what it also means is that there is white racism, Mm -hmm. white supremacy, Mm -hmm white normalcy, and mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that those things will end just because there's less white people. And uh, point of fact um, would be just to look at history of, like, South Africa and the history of South Africa, where the white folks comprise just a very small minority but hold all the power mm-hmm. and, uh, and yet kept that apartheid system in place for so long. So, um, so it doesn't mean the end of our concerns. It just means our complexion is changing.
0: Yeah. Wow. I like the way you phrased that. But I want to talk about the climate thing. I did have a thought on the climate study. I've been listening to a lot of people reflect on that climate study this week and sort of exasperated, just, you know, completely flummoxed as to what we're going to do. A lot of hand wringing, a lot of concern, obviously, but a common theme that keeps popping up is that because it is so abstract, right? Because it's global and it's environmental, so that it's so abstract, but also that it's so overwhelming, like th- that a two degree increase in the global temperature will set off the, this domino effect of things is so overwhelming that people can't they just can't wrap their brains around it and so it's just easier to turn a blind eye to it because you're like well what am I gonna do and it's just completely I mean it's so intimidating and the scale of it is so grand that you just don't you feel like oh I I don't even know what we're gonna do we're screwed
1: yeah well and that's why I like to you know like on my Facebook page Say stuff like uh, you know, hey, here's some things you can actually do about it, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and it, it, but I can't get anybody to read it because um, you know it, it, it's uh, like they see climate change and then they turn off, right? Yeah, it's so I don't know. I don't know what to do. I mean, there's some some pretty simple things that we can all do. Okay. I mean, it, but we have to see the whole thing in scope. Mm-hmm. We we have to understand, you know, what's uh, uh, what, what's really going on, and sort of like where to put our um, our most uh, like uh, attention, where to put all of our attention, and that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. So, um, w- would you like to know a few of the things that I said that we could do? I would.
0: I would love to hear some of these.
1: Okay, we got to turn our yards into gardens
0: mm-hmm.
1: because we and use drip irrigation because we got to protect water and we've got to uh, start growing food mm-hmm. because uh, water translates to food and there's a water shortage. Right, mm-hmm. we have to pass laws to defund big agriculture and polluting industries because those big agriculture, big ag uh, uses seventy percent of the world's water. And it wastes the most by far. And the industries pollute the most by far. They only use 20%, but, but they pollute the most. Uh-huh. And so we've got to pass laws. And the, the UN has done several studies that show that small farms uh, and small farmers can produce more food more efficiently mm. with less energy than big agriculture. And so we've got to turn this big ag thing around, right? So mm. um, stop, uh, you know, take the subsidies that they're giving them and, and giving them to small farmers. We can all cut our meat consumption by like at least 50%, especially cows. Uh-huh. The energy that goes into cows, they said if it was a country, it would be the third largest country on earth. Wow. Of, of just what it takes to raise and, and eat and accept your cows and then the, the methane that they produce, right? Um, so um, small farms produce more per acre. They're, they grow healthier food. They have less waste of water and, and use less chemicals. Um, there's less wasteful practices. They, they do, um, uh, you know, they don't use a monoculture like big ag. Uh, and so, you know, there's in, in so, so we can actually do things, but the number one thing that we can all do, the very most important thing, I think the fastest way to change things is to give the earth rights, earth rights. And if everybody would just Google earth rights and see all the different organizations who are like lobbying and working to do that Mm. and get behind those. And even if it goes city by city, like Santa Monica, California, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, they have created earth rights laws in their cities. But what we need to do is start making them both not only cities, but statewide and then federally. Right. Mother Earth protection laws. So we give the earth human rights the way they've done in Bolivia and uh, Ecuador and, and in the, some of these cities. Mm. And then we're able to go after all these polluters and, and uh, do things that because they're enshrined, right? Mm. And so that would, I think, change things the fastest. But anyway, that's my hobby horse. but right? mm. Unfortunately, it's not just a hobby. It's a matter of life and death for people. And in the future, we're going to see that even more. Wow.
0: I and mean, this is why
1: we have a small farm. We're trying yep. to be a model for people uh, for the future because we, we see the writing on the wall. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's part of your vision for the education center is that it's not, you're not just a standalone entity, but that it's a model that can be learned from.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We call it a learning center. Um, But in a sense, it's um, deprogramming (laughs) and reprogramming. (laughs) Yeah. With the
0: time we have left, I do want to talk about education and specifically standardized tests. So let me tell you why. Let me tell you why I've been thinking about it. As you know, there has been a vicious backlash against critical race theory And there's even been some legislation at like state level banning the teaching of critical race theory in schools, whether that's in college or high school or grade school. Like there are there are some people out there who are so concerned that our young people would learn critical race theory that they've actually taken to legislate and ban it in school systems. It's amazing, right? In books, you're not all of that. So that's one thing. And that would be, if that was the the issue, that would be concerning enough. That would have caught my attention.
1: Well, I'm just thinking of Toto. Okay. Right? And Dorothy. Yeah. As they, they, Toto begins to open the curtain to see... Who the Wizard of Oz really is, right? Yeah, and this is this is um, what critical race theory does: is it it opens the veil, it lifts the curtain, so that we can actually see what's behind things, and um, and so these anti-critical race theory mm-hmm. laws and anti-discussion uh, intersectionality and anti-revising mm-hmm. quote unquote the revised already revised version of American history, mm-hmm. you know, all of those laws and concerns that are going on right now. Um. What they're saying is, Toto, don't open the curtain. You know, <laughs> don't let us see what the truth is behind it. Don't, and this is a way to protect white supremacy. And and what's behind the curtain is white supremacy, and it, it's obvious. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's what's happening.
0: Yes. So, but here's an interesting way it manifests, and and this is one of those things that it's like a pattern that shows up. And I'm I'm always fascinated when there's a pattern like. If I were to say to you, uh, "Hey, we gotta, we gotta, um, we gotta teach cops to de-escalate," if the very next thing you said was always "X," that would catch my attention. Why is that always the response when I say de-escalate? You say "X," right? That always catches my attention when I see a pattern like that. Well, a pattern has emerged in this talk about critical race theory which is that the same people who are so concerned about not teaching it to our young people also keep bringing up standardized tests. Really? Yes. And it keeps catching my attention of why have these two things become coupled in debate? Something's going on where these two things have been merged at some level in the minds of those who are so concerned that the way out, right, is just standardized tests and measure, always measuring students so that schools that uh, have acceptable testing rates, right, on, on all the measurables of standardized testing, that those schools are rewarded and that schools that don't meet the standard are punished or changes brought to them right
1: so it, this is exactly the pedagogy of the oppressed
0: there you go exactly yes this is why i wanted to bring it up to you is there is something inherent just baked in the bread as we say about standardized testing that is in itself There is something about it that is connected to not addressing issues of race. It's almost like it's a stand-in or a placeholder or a facade that you put up front so that you don't see what's going on behind it. There are certain assumptions behind standardized testing. Obviously, I want all students to get a good education. But there's something about this standardization that every student needs to know these same things and test at this same level. And therefore, you set up the system where you teach to the test so that the school meets certain requirements and doesn't get punished for it. But it's, there's, there's, a, there's a mentality behind it. And here's what I wanted to throw out to you. I'm starting to wonder if what's behind this whole thing and the connection between them is that it's the opportunity myth in America where everyone has the same opportunities and therefore we can expect the same results. That because if everybody is sort of a blank slate and they get the same education, We can expect the same outcomes. It's this myth of sameness and the expectation of, well, on one hand, it's accountability, but the other is opportunity. There is a myth or a worship of equal opportunity that gets wrapped up in if we just taught the same things. Right. Whether you are on the Pine Ridge Reservation or you're in the inner city or you are in the Sherwood suburbs. If we just taught our kids the same ways, the same things we could expect, measurable, similar outcomes.
1: Right. So, yeah, it it doesn't matter that that white kids have been groomed for that and uh, often uh, children of color have been not groomed for that and and not given those opportunities because all their, um, their educational capital was taken away. They weren't given the same things. And now all of a sudden, since there's been unequal ups and to this point, and now all of a sudden it's like, now we're all equal. Right. So, um, so there was a study done uh, in Maupin uh, Oregon. Yeah. Uh, some years ago, they wanted to find out. Anthropologists wanted to find out why it was that the students on the Warm Springs Reservation uh, who end up going to high school in the Ma- uh, Madras mm-hmm. High School. Um, so the the students from the Warm Springs Reservation go to high school in Madras, and they don't do near as well when they go over there. So anthropologists and sociologists wanted to find out why. So they they did uh, several years of study to try and and figure out why the native students don't do as well when they go to the white towns high school, right? Mm-hmm. Well, besides all the, the social factors and in- inequities and home situations and everything else, that they, they found that there were some pretty interesting things. One of them was that in normal activities, when students are all working on an individual basis, they uh, they don't do well. But they found just the opposite when they did group activities. So, in other words, when the students had to work together, that's when the Native students showed leadership. That's when they excelled. That's when they did better than the white students, when they had to cooperate and work with other people. What that study showed me was that... This individualism that's stressed so much in competition in American culture is groomed in high school. That's in, in really back in elementary school is where it starts. But this idea of testing and the individual instead of everybody working together and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, so of course, they're going to excel. But indigenous people and mm-hmm. many other people, communities of color are used to working together with their communities, are used to working and cooperating. So, which value, let me ask a couple of questions. Which value do you think uh, is better? And which value do you think Jesus would value the most? Yeah. So, the point being, yeah, if, if we're going to groom everybody for this individualistic, comp- competitive stuff that's based on uh, also white uh, norms and white social values and white environmental values and use standardized testing, then it's an automatic that unless you're an exceptional student who's not had that same uh, thing, that you're probably not going to do as well, right? So the system is set up for people of color to fail. Now, what if we did it the opposite way? What if we said it's all going to be based on how we cooperate together and how we work together and how leadership uh, surfaces during those kinds of things? And let's make that the standardized testing. Then white people would be at the bottom.
0: Oh, man, my heart. Honestly, my heart started to palpitate a little bit just at the idea that my grade would be based on having to partner with other people who may not pull their own weight or, you know, who may whatever. Right. And there may be differences of opinion to to be tied to other people for my individual grade. It just yeah, I'm not conditioned to think like that.
1: Right, and and you know, as you know, in my courses, mm-hmm. um, all group projects are are all projects are group projects, right? Right. Um, you work with two or three other people generally. Uh, even tests are open book and collaborative testing. Uh, and I only do one test in one course. I only ask four questions, and you get to choose three out of. The- For And there's a 20-point bonus question at the end on your opinion on something. So it's not like it's that hard, but I want to know what people are actually retaining their essay questions. But everything I do is about cooperating. And, and, you know, I will always get students who come up and go, well, what if in my group this person doesn't put in as much effort? And I said, well, then you have to work that out. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what if they still don't? Then you can come see me and and I'll help you work that out. But Mm -hmm. the point is, is you're going to work together. Right. So there's there's students who do not like that at all. They hate it. I've gotten that feedback on a lot of my evaluations. Uh, They can't stand it. But I'm like, what other opportunities are these people going to have to work together? Yeah. And cooperate.
0: There's so much tied into this. And I mean, you and I could talk. We love this stuff. We love talking about education strategies and experiences that we've had, things we've seen go well and not well. I love comparing notes on this with you. Um, when, when I was a professor, I would give the class an option of having in their group projects that they could get a group grade, that they could each have a group grade or that they could give each other grades. So I, but I was basically just trying to expose how we wanted to be evaluated. And Mm -hmm. boy, I'll tell you the the just the idea of everybody getting the same grade, like a class grade, is so against American individualism that uh, yeah, you couldn't wrap their brain around it. But also the idea of getting your grade from your group partners. So like if you did really well and your group said, "Well, you should get an A, right? That'd be one thing. But if your group's like, you didn't do much, you're going to get a D. Right. There's an accountability there. So I was just trying to expose, like, how do we work together? I I love talking about that stuff. But back to the standardized testing, there is an interesting thing that comes out of the European, right, industrial revolution, enlightenment mentality that says.
1: Capitalistic.
0: Yeah, that everything is measurable. It's quantifiable. We can tell how well you got educated by your ability to answer these questions that everyone across the country is going to answer the same information taught the same way. And that every student, no matter if they're going to end up, you know, being a rancher or an electrician or a professor or whatever, uh, that they will, we will be able to measure the quality of the education that they got by their capacity to answer these questions. It's a, that standardized, measurable, quantifiable, right? It's evidentialism, whatever you want to call it. It comes from a mentality. It, it is
1: built in to
0: a way of thinking.
1: Exactly. Cohorts are uh, a success among a lot of indigenous peoples and other peoples when, when they can support each other. Yeah. You know, um, and I don't know, I'd be interested to see a study on cohorts among white folks and cohorts mm. among uh, indigenous and other yeah. black and brown people to, to understand how that is. But, but you know, I don't think I would have made it through my Ph.D. program. And we were in a very unofficial cohort. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard Twist, mm-hmm. Terry LeBlanc, Ray Aldred, myself. Um, and and that and uh, Adrian Jacobs um, sort of joined us every now and then. But, but we were an, an unofficial cohort. And uh, I don't think I would have made, I wouldn't have never gotten a PhD if I would have just been there by myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But you know, something I'd like to, to hear from the listeners on, we have people who listen in different parts of the country. They're part of different groups than we're a part of. Maybe they're part of different religions or different denominations than you and I have access to. If somebody could help me understand, I think I'm missing a link between the opposition to critical race theory and the emphasis of the standardized tests. I know that they're partnered. I just can't quite figure out what's the connective link. And if somebody could help me, you know, Brandy, there are certain conversations that if you're not an insider, you can only speculate from the outside, right? There's, you're just, there's, some things you don't have access to unless you are having those behind the scenes conversations. This happens culturally, ethnically, racially, right, right? Nationally. So there's something going on in conservative circles with the fear of critical race theory, but also the emphasis of standardized tests. And I know that they're connected. I just I I feel like I'm missing something. So if if a listener can help clue me in, that would be supremely appreciated.
1: All right. Well, we look forward to that. Or or if someone wants to op, uh, offer a uh, an argument from the other side. Yeah. Like here's why they're not related. Uh-huh. Um sometimes that can lead to answers as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I am interested, and I just wanted to run this by you because you and I, we love talking about education, but I have definitely noticed in the last six or eight weeks this emergence of a pattern. And I was like, something's going on here. I can't quite put my finger on it, but I want to tell Randy about it.
1: Sounds groovy.
0: We want to thank our supporters on Patreon for everybody who has given us feedback. The e- I've been checking the emails uh, lately. People are giving us some good feedback and um, trying to help us reach a wider audience. I want to thank you for that. For those of you who support us on Patreon, thank you uh, for your ongoing support. And we would love if you know somebody who might be opinionated or challenged or helpful Uh, Thinking through some of these issues that we're addressing, please share this with your friends and people who you think might join the conversation.
1: Hey, we're after better questions. Peace out.